This is the Mobile Home Park Lawyer Podcast with Fur Neiman. If you're looking to generate wealth and passive income in the lucrative world of mobile home parks, you're in the right place. You'll discover solutions to the common legal and operational pitfalls and how to optimize parks to maximize income. Your host is in the trenches. He's a real estate attorney, financial analyst, and mobile home park investor and operator. Now, let's turn it over to Ferd Neiman. Welcome back, Mobile Home Park Nation. Ferd Neiman here again today with another episode of the Mobile Home Park Lawyer Podcast. Today, I'm going to go over a certain form of a written correspondence. I've found that a lot of people struggle with verbal and written correspondence in particular as it pertains to investor correspondence. I'm a limited partner or LP or silent member of an LLC of a number of syndications, um, which I do for a number of reasons. One is A, it's passive. B is sometimes I don't have the deal flow to uh, handle my available cash. And C, I just look to diversify. And D, sometimes it doesn't hurt to get under the hood of another company just to see what they know that you don't. Well, what I've found out is uh, D, D2, there's not a lot of stuff that people are doing well as it pertains to investor correspondence and communication, which includes financial reports, which is a whole other discussion for another day. But I'm regularly underwhelmed with a lot of the product being put out there by other syndicators, uh, just to be honest. So today, I'm going to give a little bit of a tip on basic, I don't even say best practices, because this is like, you know, I'm not just, I'm not holding everything close to the vest, but this is not like everything, everything you can do, but this is like basic good practice, and this is, the first piece I'm going to cover today is like the pitch to investors. Like, you've got your whole pitch deck, or your offering memorandum, and all your pretty pictures, and your slideshow, and all that jazz, but like... Just clarification to investors like, hey, investment coming. That's going to be like the pitch email. Then you have like the execution email. And then somewhere probably in between, which I'm not going to cover today, is the like, here's exactly how it works from a flow perspective and what your what your net is and what your yield is. If you put in 100000 a lot of doctors, whatever reasons you do doctors, they say, what does my hundred thousand do? They don't want to care. Like they don't care about. There's like two million of money up there. They want to say, what's my hundred thousand? What's my equity equity multiple? Which, as a finance real estate guy, I'm less concerned about that honestly than like debt coverage ratio, cash on cash return, uh, internal rate of return. Those are more of my metrics, if you will. And of course, variables that include uh, cap rate or amortization on refinance or a LTV and refinance that result in some sort of terminal valuation or reversion value. But a lot of doctors like to think in the form of equity multiple. And all these variables can be manipulated by, among other things, timing and cash flow timing. But anyway, it makes sense to give stuff to investors in writing in a concise, succinct order. So... I'm just going to read this to you and be honest. Like this is basic. This is one of my deals. I, I made the names generic, which I'm a little annoyed by because it took me like five minutes of prep and I really don't like prepping these because who's got time for that? But anywho, I've made this generic. This is a real deal. All the terms are legit. All the assumptions are legit. This deal is overperforming. So I'll get into some of 
why that makes sense. I'm about, I guess I'm about 14 months in as of this recording. It's August 23rd. I'm recording this. But I'm going to go over the sample quote cover letter to investors. And I'm not supposed to read more than six words on six lines on a slideshow. This is not a slideshow. So you don't have to take notes. If you, if you want this, this is not like the world's secret sauce here. At least I don't think so. I just made this up from scratch. I had no template. I had nobody else. I just, this is, this is, if you think it's good, then pat me on the back. If you think it's average or bad, then whatever. I don't care either. Okay. If you want to copy this, just shoot me a message. You know how to find me. Um, I would appreciate, if you're a client, well then boom, I'll give you for free. If you're not a client, then I would appreciate like a five-star review or something. You don't hear me on here begging for five-star reviews. I did look the other day because I was curious because I was sponsoring a conference and trying to update my marketing. And I don't have the most five-star reviews, which is a little disappointing. I have the highest rating and that the average review is 5.0. But there's one other podcast that has more reviews than me. They happen to ask for reviews on a regular, okay, nonstop basis. You've heard me, what, once, twice, ever ask for review? Hey, Go to Apple Podcasts. Give me a five-star review. If you think I'm worth less than that, then give me less than that. But put your real name by it and let's chat. Uh, anywho, here we go. Sample cover letter. I'm going to read this again. Sorry, not sorry. Dear prospective investors, on behalf of Best Ever Properties LLC, I'm excited to roll out the third of our new investment offerings for 2021. Open parent, noting that we anticipate the potential for more this year and that some projects will not be finalized if outstanding third-party reports, such as phase one survey appraisal, are unsatisfactory. Close parent. New paragraph. Property. Sorry, I'm a lawyer, so I've learned to do dictation, but it's somewhat helpful. New paragraph. Property. This offering is for an existing 89-unit mobile home park in Martha, Missouri. Open Parent, a pleasant small town, the county seat located near Cuomo, Missouri, home of the Technical College of Missouri. Parkway Mobile Home Park located at 123 Broadway Street, Martha, Missouri, is currently 77% occupied. There is opportunity to add value by filling vacant lots, selling park-owned homes, submetering water, and billing back to the residents, adding amenities, such as a playground and dog park, and more. New paragraph, cost and structure. Total project cost, including purchase price, capex, soft cost, acquisition fees, etc., are budgeted at $1.6 million. We are raising a minimum of $550,000 for this project and a maximum of $850,000, with a target raise of $700,000, open parent, and the additional funds being contingent upon receipt of approval by lenders for homes purchases post-closing. Close parent. Footnote. Okay, why is there a minimum and maximum? I just did an episode on podcast. Basically, the minimum is the minimum necessary to actually work the deal based on current assumptions. And if some, if John Smith says I'm in for 50K, well, then John Smith is, quote, committed via the subscription agreement if you actually get to the minimum. And this is an example of 550000 But I might need a maximum, as in, like, I may not get approved for a line of credit from a lender for park-on-home acquisitions. I may need to pay cash. So I may need to raise more money, which dilutes my LP. But my target is 700000 which includes the minimum, actually the actual skin the game necessary, plus some soft costs like acquisition fees and or reasonable assumptions. End sidebar. The structure will be a pref slash waterfall 
meaning that limited partners will receive an 8% preferred return distribution prior to any operating refinance disposition cash flow going to the general partner slash syndicator. Then there will be a waterfall whereby 50% of the excess cash flow goes to the GP and 50% of the excess cash flow goes to the LP until a 15% internal return is achieved. After that, the excess cash flow goes 90% to the GP and 10% to the LP. This structure ensures that the LP receives a minimum return of 8% before the GP receives any compensation, an equal split up to 15% IRR, and then still the LP retains a perpetual interest in the investment. Sidebar. Okay, so what does this mean? So these splits are not that common, let's be honest. Um, the norm is probably like 30-70 GPLP, and the GP is not really a general partner. It's the, quote, manager of a LLC that has only members or membership units, and the G and the LP gets 70%. I have learned over the time that it's beneficial to me as a GP to get a higher split, right? But I have to pitch it in a way that works for LPs, and I do that generally by... I put, an 8 pref is good, and I, and I pay that 8 pref like monthly right out of the gate. If the deal can't do that, I'm going to disclose that. But generally, we try to get deals that can pay the APRF. That's hard to do. That means you're not buying six-cap deals with a five-cap over the 5% interest rate with, you know, 70 LTV. It's not going to work very well. So you got to find better deals. We've got a whole other episode on that. But in general, this structure can work. It didn't work as well for me at the beginning, right? But I have more credibility now, so now it's easier. I'll get more into that. End sidebar. New paragraph, target return. We anticipate year one cash on cash ROI to be 8.06%, and we do anticipate the referred return distribution being paid from the outset monthly. Quote, one twelfth per annum, but monthly. The target internal rate return, quote, IRR in our pro forma is for LP IRR net of GP fees or splits, and for this amount to exceed 18%, which assumes a refinance in year four with initial investor capital being paid back open parent. In the event the preferred equity is returned in whole, the 8% preferred return will cease, but the LP members shall still receive a portion of the profits. Close parent. Our assumptions of financial modeling are more fully set out in the private placement memorandums, the PPM, Exhibit C, Business Plan, and Cash Flow Analysis. Sidebar. We provide the financial assumptions in Excel, including a number of scenarios to the limited partners to show here's our assumptions. We make the assumptions conservative, not to be dishonest, but to be super conservative because guess what? If I have additional hurdles, like after the 15 IRR, I get 90% of the deal, it doesn't hurt me to be conservative. If I overperform, which, oh, by the way, I will in general, and I always have, well, then great. The LPs get better than was promoted. This is an 18% projected IRR. Still is probably going to yield a net 20, 21, 22 for the LPs. Naked deal, this is like a 35 or 40% deal. If I had a generic 30, 70 GPLP split, the investors would get like 28 or 29%, which is what I did out of the gate. I've covered that in other case studies. And it's frustrating, right? Because I'm like, they didn't need, frankly, they didn't need that level of yield. I really care about my investors, but there should be a cost benefit analysis or risk reward analysis. And they were getting too sweet a deal. So I started increasing my splits, but putting my money in my mouth was, and I said, I'm going to bet on the upside, bet on the come, that I'm going to hit a 15% IRR. I don't really get, quote, rich until after I give you 15% IRR. A lot of deals never hit 15 IRR. So that's really worked pretty well. 
on getting investors to buy in because I'm like, look, our interests are aligned. Some people structurally or philosophically just disagree. I had some people, especially the bigger family office type guys, just get offended. It wasn't on this deal, it was on a prior deal where I was doing a 75-25 right out of the gate. Me being the 75 as a GP, they're pissed. By the way, that deal closes, knock on wood, six weeks from now, with an 80% IRR and an equity multiple of like 2.5 in 16 months. But a lot of people told me no because they were offended that my cut was so big. I had a mentor previously, and this guy, he had a, I think it was like a $6 billion REIT that he founded and ran. He told me there are two types of people in this world. The type of people that worry about how much money is in your pocket and how much is in your pocket, your own pocket. So I told the investors, don't worry about how much money I make. Worry about how much I make for you. And some people said, good point, and you make more money for me than the average bear, so we're cool. We don't care if you get rich. Other people said, you're getting too rich. Where's my cut? That tells me who's a team player, who's rooting for me, who's just greedy. End sidebar. New paragraph. Capacity offering. While things may change in the future, we anticipate this being a, quote, long-term investment. Due to our backlog of investor context demand, we are doing this, quote, soft rollout today and providing the prospective investors on this email a, quote, first look at this opportunity before marketing this opportunity to new contacts. During said time, we will be available to answer questions, provide financial models, circulate the draft PPM, etc., with a number of existing and new prospective investors in the mix, there may be a situation where we will be unable to accept all of the investor capitals. For example, we have a million dollars of capital, quote, raise its hand for this project. And if so, we will take into consideration on subsequent offerings. We strive to balance our open parent, somewhat conflicting close parent, goals of giving, of A, giving our prospective, excuse me, giving our prior investors, whose support we appreciate, an opportunity to continue to invest in future projects, while B, allowing our new prospective investors an opportunity to evaluate, potentially invest with us. Open, parent, a sort of, quote, first date to evaluate our mutual fit, close parent. New paragraph. Timing. As mentioned above, please let us know as soon as possible if you have interest in this offering and in the anticipated amount of capital desire to be contributed. The closing on the property is anticipated for middle of July of 2021. As a matter of practice, we would like for all soft commitments to be made several weeks in advance of closing and for all funds to be received, A, prior to the expiration of the inspection period set out in the contract for purchase and sale, and B, plus or minus two weeks before closing. For this current project, we are waiting on appraisal, so the timeline for closing is in flux, but current estimate is put at July 15, 2021. Open parent. Note, we already have loan approval subject to the forthcoming appraisal. Close parent. Lastly, attached to this email is a more detailed offering memorandum, that the full details, but the full details are set out in the PPM. As always, please reach out to me with any questions or concerns. I look forward to your reply. Okay, so this was a deal in mid-Missouri. We had to raise plus or minus 700000 The minimum was five fifty. The max was eight fifty. This deal ended up getting more complicated because we had one investor in particular that had a 1031 coming, so we ended up making them a tenant in common member subject to the IRS, I think it's RevProc 2000-02-15 factor analysis. So we didn't really get more granular on the details on a tenant in common agreement and then on the PPM syndication agreement. We were, able, we were able to make it work, but that person brought a lot of money 
via the 1031 was a big chunk. So we actually raised, I'm gonna look at the email. Remember Logan was pretty pretty jazzed about it. Logan's my CFO, CIO. It's like 4.03 on a Friday, which is not the worst time to get this thing out, right? We, we, weren't, we weren't that smarter. We, we were freaking like hustling and we hoped to get it out on like Wednesday and then life happened and then it was like four o'clock on a Friday. And at 4.15, we had over $2 million subscribed. We only needed 700000 So then it became the awkward time of telling people, yeah, we don't need all your money. Which is part of the reason we launched a fund because we started turning my money and that really pissed some people off. Some people were mad and said, take us off your list. It's because what we, we evaluated to do, doing and we did to some degree was we gave like allocations. Like the first person said, I'll take all of it. I'm like, well, that's nice, but like we want to get more people than you because you might run out after this deal. We want more investors in the future, so we'd like to give you here's your allocation of 100. And they were like, This isn't worth my time for 100. So we ended up, you know, allocating it. We lost some people, but we clearly we got it done. And the deal's going to be a home run for everybody that, quote, knock on wood, everybody that got into it. But that's how we communicated with it, with everybody. It worked out okay, right? I'm, Worked out really well, to be honest. Okay, next phase is eventually you send people an execution letter. I'm not going to read all this because it's getting late, let's be honest. But Well, you're not really here, but trust me, it's getting late. So I don't do this during business hours. I hope you guys know that. This is like giving back. This is an unpaid profession in this podcast world. But my clients really bug me during the day, so this is my hobby. Okay, sample execution letters. Basically... You need to give people a written instruction of how to do this. We often do this in DocuSign now. And we say, basically, here's the PPM. Here are all the exhibits. Here are the signature pages. Here's what you need to do. Click on this link. It'll sign all the signature pages in the right spot. If you have questions, ask. Here's where you wire funds. Here's the bank address. Here's the beneficiary name. Here's the routing number and the account number. Here's the amount. Here's what you need to fill in. Presumably, you've already given us basic information as to how many membership units you want or how much contribution you have. You know, Generally, if this is a 506B PPM offering, you're going to have, you may have sophisticated investors. You're going to definitely need an investor questionnaire. If it's a 506C and you're marketing the deal, you can only have accredited investors in. You're going to want, at minimum, a, an, an accredited investor verification letter from a CPA or a tax attorney or a financial advisor or perhaps a service like, I don't know, Syndication Pro or Veribest or some third-party service that verifies people are accredited. But you need to give people like really easy, pretend these people are like rich, dumb people. And need really easy instructions. What do I sign? Where do I sign? What do I need to provide? Where do I send money? How much and how and when? And really, really briefly. So that's the that last piece there. That's like the sample, I say, execution letter. The first piece is the sample cover letter on the investment. Um, there's a different, more robust form of cover letter that basically calls out. This is when people, there's not a lot of trust. Like in my deal, they just, I can't remember what I call it, Martha, Missouri. Anybody who's a wordsmith could probably figure this one out. But in Martha, Missouri, like I knew this was going to be people that were going to invest with me. If it's like a new set of investors or kind of a wild pitch, 
you might want to go above and beyond and say, here's what 100,000 gets you. Here's how the waterfall works. I kind of laid this out here, right? What I previously articulated, I'm not going to repeat. But sometimes you need to be even clearer. And it becomes more messy when you have tick structures, or you have co-GPs, or you have different series or classes of LPs. And then you can articulate, here's my compensation structure. And my deal is I don't really take a lot of fees. I kind of try to take, be like, look, I'm not going to fee to death. I'm going to make more than promote. But the promote is if I if I win for us. But if you have a, if you're if you're different, that's okay. But you need to articulate it. Here's my asset management fee. Here's my refi fee. Here's my debt guarantee fee. Here's my acquisition fee. Here's my disposition fee. Blah 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 blah. They want to know where that's going, especially because a lot of times those are shared with other entities, especially the property management fee. And LPs want to know that, right? So articulate that to them. Say, if we make a sample hundred thousand dollars. Here I'm going. Now I'm going into the next letter which will save me a podcast, I guess. But if we make a sample $100,000, there's an eight pref. And if there's a million dollars of uh, limited partner preferred equity, a million dollars times an eight pref is 80,000. The first 80,000 goes to LP. Wow, there's 20,000 of distributable cash flow available thereafter. If the GPLP split is 50-50, that 20,000 goes 20 divided by two, or times 0.5, 10 and 10. Wow, that's great. GP gets 10, LP gets 10. However, in the, in the event that the IRR equals at least 15%, GP goes to 90, LP goes to 10. Okay, that's going to require a calculator most likely, which is going to require, among other things, timing of outflows to investors. That's okay. Share that with investors. Be transparent. Sometimes you have uh, disparate terms like depreciation allocation or other things that need to be set forth for investors. As well as you have things like accumulated pref. Sometimes people don't pay it out of the gate. Is it simple interest? Is it cumulative interest? What does that look like? And you, you dive more into the pro forma narrated into a cover letter. Generally, I think the goal of any sort of written correspondence is to articulate as succinctly as possible all of the information necessary to the recipient in a manner that does not elicit any additional questions or concerns because they just nod and say, I get it. It's hard to do. In grad school, they called it effective written communication. Mark Twain, who's from Missouri, says, I'm from Missouri, the show me state. You got to show me, you got to prove to me, right? That was one of his quotes. He's very quotable. Another quote he had was, I'm sorry that this letter was so long. I didn't have time to make it shorter. And anybody that drafts the first draft of something gets that. There I go, professorial for today. But hopefully that was valuable to you. There's lots of written correspondence. I'm going to start doing more of this. Just been more and more teaching other people and and sharing stuff. I'm just going to start doing more and more correspondence stuff. Don't want me to do that because I might not get around to it. But in theory, I'm going to do it more. And I can, I can give a lot of stuff away for free. I don't care. Um, but it's really important to be direct and impactful whenever you write something to investors, to bankers, to municipalities, frankly, to anybody. 
tenants. I mean, I drive. I don't do it anymore, frankly, but I, I guess I do in the, in the sense that I've made everything template. I have drafted personally the court and with no templates and nobody else was sharing the stuff, or at least I didn't find it. Here's the day one letter on turnover. Here's the rent increase letter. Here's the new rules letter. Here's the annual rent increase letter. Here's the change rules letter. Here's the return off your water letter. Hint, do that in advance so the old lady is not in the shower with shampoo in her eyes when you just turn off the water to the park, which apparently is normal because every one of my regional managers, with a few exceptions, have always said, let's just do that. Let's turn it off. Anywho, written correspondence is of vital importance to any organization. And hopefully I've had a little value today. If not, give me a one-star review. But if I did, how about a five-star? Till next time, thanks and God bless. You've been listening to the Mobile Home Park Lawyer Podcast with Ferd Neiman. Ready to learn more? Go to www.themobilehomelawyer.com for free resources and materials to help you succeed. If you love the podcast, go to Apple Podcasts, give us your review, and subscribe today. Thank you for listening. Neither the Supreme Court of Missouri nor the Missouri Bar reviews nor approves certifying organizations or specialist designations. The choice of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based solely upon advertisements.